Chapter 26 of The Adventures of Captain Hatteras, Part 2, The Field of Ice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jack Szyzelski, Towson, Maryland. The Adventures of Captain Hatteras, Part 2, The Field of Ice, by Jules Verne. Chapter 26, Conclusion. It would be useless to enumerate all the misfortunes which befell the survivors of the expedition. Even the men themselves were never able to give any detailed narrative of the events which occurred during the week subsequent to the horrible discovery related in the last chapter. However, on the 9th of September, by superhuman exertions, they arrived at last at Cape Horsburg, the extreme point of North Devon. They were absolutely starving. For forty-eight hours they had tasted nothing, and their last meal had been off the flesh of their last Eskimo dog. Bell could go no further, and Johnson felt himself dying. They were on the shore of Baffin's Bay, now half frozen over. That is to say, on the road to Europe, and three miles off, the waves were dashing noiselessly on the sharp edges of the ice field. Here they must wait their chance of a whaler appearing. And for how long? But heaven pitied the poor fellows, for the very next day Altamont distinctly perceived a sail on the horizon. Everyone knows the torturing suspense that follows such an appearance, and the agonizing dread lest it should prove a false hope. The vessel seems alternately to approach and recede, and too often, just at the very moment when the poor castaways think they are saved, the sail begins to disappear and is soon out of sight. The doctor and his companions went through all these experiences. They had succeeded in reaching the western boundary of the ice field by carrying and pushing each other along, and they watched the ship gradually fade away from view without observing them, in spite of their loud cries for help. Just then a happy inspiration came to the doctor. His fertile genius, which had served him many a time in such good stead, supplied him with one last idea. A flow driven by the current struck against the ice field, and Clawbonny exclaimed, pointing to it, This flow! His companions could not understand what he meant. Let us embark on it! Let us embark on it! Oh, Mr. Clawbonny, Mr. Clawbonny, said Johnson, pressing his hand. Bell, assisted by Altamont, hurried to the sledge and brought back one of the poles, which he stuck fast on the ice like a mast, and fastened it with ropes. The tent was torn up to furnish a sail, and as soon as the frail raft was ready, the poor fellows jumped upon it and sailed out to the open sea. Two hours later, after unheard-of exertions, the survivors of the foreword were picked up by the Hans Christian, a Danish whaler on her way to Davis's Straits. They were more like specters than human beings, and the sight of their sufferings was enough. It told its own tale, but the captain received them with such hearty sympathy and lavished on them such care and kindness that he succeeded in keeping them alive. Ten days afterwards, Clawbonny Johnson Bell Altamont and Captain Hatteras landed at Corsum, in Zealand, an island belonging to Denmark. They took the steamer to Kiel, and from there proceeded by Altona and Hamburg to London, where they arrived on the 13th of the same month, scarcely recovered after their long sufferings. The first care of Clawbonny was to request the Royal Geographical Society to receive a communication from him. He was accordingly admitted to the next seance, 
and one can imagine the astonishment of the learned assembly and the enthusiastic applause produced by the reading of Hatteras's document. The English have a passion for geographical discovery, from the lord to the cockney, from the merchant down to the dock laborer, and the news of this grand discovery speedily flashed along the telegraph wires, throughout the length and breadth of the kingdom. Hatteras was lauded as a martyr by all the newspapers, and every Englishman felt proud of him. The doctor and his companions had the honor of being presented to the queen by the Lord Chancellor, and they were feted and lionized in all quarters. The government confirmed the names of Queen's Island, Mount Hatteras, and Altamont Harbor. Altamont would not part from his companions in misery and glory, but followed them to Liverpool, where they were joyously welcomed back after being so long supposed dead and buried beneath the eternal snows. But Dr. Clawbonny would never allow that any honor was due to himself. He claimed all the merit of the discovery for his unfortunate captain, and in the narrative of his voyage published the next year under the auspices of the Royal Geographical Society, he places John Hatteras on a level with the most illustrious navigators and makes him the compeer of all the brave, daring men who have sacrificed themselves for the progress of science. The insanity of this poor victim of a sublime passion was of a mild type, and he lived quietly at Sten Cottage, a private asylum near Liverpool, where the doctor himself had placed him. He never spoke and understood nothing that was said to him. Reason and speech had fled together. The only tie that connected him with the outside world was his friendship for Duc, who was allowed to remain with him. For a considerable time the captain had been in the habit of walking in the garden for hours, accompanied by his faithful dog, who watched him with sad, wistful eyes. But his promenade was always in one direction, in a particular part of the garden. When he got to the end of the path, he would stop and begin to walk backwards. If anyone stopped him, he would point with his finger towards a certain part of the sky, but let anyone attempt to turn him round, and he became angry, while Duke, as if sharing his master's sentiments, would bark furiously. The doctor, who often visited his afflicted friend, noticed this strange proceeding one day, and soon understood the reason of it. He saw how it was that he paced so constantly in a given direction, as if under the influence of some magnetic force. This was the secret. John Hatteras invariably walked towards the north. The End End of the Voyage Extraordinaire End of the Adventures of Captain Hatteras Part Two, The Field of Ice, by Jules Verne.